Every week, Hillsdale College President Larry Arn joins Hugh Hewitt to discuss great books, great men, and great ideas. This is the Hillsdale Dialogues, presented by Hillsdale College. To find more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, and Ricochet. America, bonjour, hi, Canada, here's you at Live Inside the Beltway. Uh, this week has been a rough one. 9.1% inflation rocked us, just rocked us. But that music means we are at time for a little bit of repose. The Hillsdale Dialogue, the last radio hour of every week, the last hour on Friday, I talk with Dr. Larry Arner, someone else from Hillsdale College, about whatever is important and enduring, and 9.1% inflation won't be with us forever. But the ethics by Aristotle will. So for the last four weeks, this is the fifth installment in our series on Aristotle's ethics. It is the video course edited for radio that Dr. Arn led with a dozen Hillsdale students a couple of years ago. And it's a Hillsdale course. You can go watch the whole thing at hillsdale.edu. You can listen to the first five uh, Hillsdale dialogues where I have excerpted it for you over at hughforhillsdale.com or at Hillsdale Dialogues on iTunes. But if you want to just watch them, binge watch them, go to hillsdale.edu, type in ethics course, and you'll go right there. It's completely free. But this is Dr. Larry Arn with four cameras recording. This is how to teach, not just how to teach the ethics, but how to teach. That's why so many of you are enjoying this so much. And it's a break from the awful Biden economy news and the British prime ministerial election news. I'm going to try and get Dr. Arn live next week to talk about what's going on in Great Britain. But first, here is Installment five, part one of Dr. Arn teaching the ethics to Hillsdale College students. Let it roll. So Aristotle says about this uh, complicated question, what ought we to do? Uh, the first answer he gives is, you know, you know. It's not complicated to know that you should really tell the truth. It's not complicated to know that you shouldn't take other people's stuff. Uh, it's not complicated to know that you should uh, study instead of playing foosball in the middle of the night when you got papers due and exams tomorrow. Now, there are some things that are very complicated to know. Things politicians decide, things people in business decide, things mothers decide, raising children. Sometimes there are complexities. And Aristotle says about that, since every situation is a little different, and the same only in this respect, There's something you want, and there's some good talking to you, and those are not the same thing all the time. People of serious stature, moral stature, Aristotle teaches us we all want to be that. Because then you'll be a person who's worked hard to become able to make the moral choices properly. We're going to talk about uh, choice and deliberation. And we're going to define those things, and we're going to discuss the main things, which is um, there's choice, there's deliberation, there's willingness and unwillingness, there's what we deliberate about, and how human freedom is shown by this. So give me an example of an unwilling act that we do. Well, like when I was younger, and you had to clean up, your mom made you clean up your room, and you didn't want to clean up your room. But you did it because you're kind of forced to. By the way, 
a perfect example because it would have been a virtuous act if you'd wanted to do it. <laughs> Gil. Well, because isn't that more, that's more like those, those actions that are kind of in between willing and not unwilling because in the end she, she didn't do the act out of being forced to do it or out of ignorance, but she did will to do it because she willed to obey her mother or something. So it's or because kind of, she feared punishment or something. Yeah, like some other. And so it's kind of like the throwing your stuff overboard when you're on a ship um, because it's sinking. In one sense, that's an unwilling act because you're throwing away all your stuff, but the circumstances that have arisen make it uh, a willing act because you will it because and you they're don't willing want it. and therefore chosen. No, because not all willed acts are chosen. Um, but in some way, the hard choices typically involve some element of duress. Now, the duress might be temptation. That is to say, attraction of a pleasure, or it might be a danger of harm, and then it's duress. But that's, first of all, you're in a world here, right, where, alas, we're not all powerful, and yet not every option is decently open to us. So when you're a child, your parents do that for you, right? They in the end, there really isn't an option when you're not of age, right? Because you're a long way from being mature enough to take off and leave them and uh, might not be able to make it stick if you did. One of the reasons Aristotle introduces this here, I think, is this willingness and unwillingness, is that it, it introduces the fact that choices, all the hard ones, are not made in the pure case. There's things involved on both sides of the equation and there'll be some gain or some suffering no matter what you do. What is the process by which choices are produced? Is that what we call deliberation? It is. Explain that. So deliberation, instead of debating about what the ends are of our actions, deliberation is about selecting the best means by which we attain those ends. So deliberation is not about ends. Where do ends come from? Our nature. Our nature? Our nature cultivated? It says wish. So ends are wished for. And I, I guess, depending on your nature, you're going to wish for better or worse ends um, because of what they desire. So good nature will desire better ends than a bad nature. Wouldn't ends kind of also depend on like the circumstance? So like in war, like, the end is obviously victory, but you're deliberating about the means to get to victory. So it seems like it'd be something that's kind of circumstantial as well. So uh, there's two things going on then. What you want or should want, a desire, and a, a deliberation, and then a choice of the ways to get there. Now, what's involved in that choice? First of all, there's more than one option, right? One of the things that happens is you, like, play a movie in your mind. Imagination, images, right? You think, if I go this way, and you try to picture what will happen. This and this and this and this, right? And no, if I go this way, this and this and this and this. And that's what deliberation is. 
It's uh, speculating about what will happen given various choices of means. Now, there can also be deep thinking about what the proper end is. We're doing that here, in a way, right? I mean, just think of the radical things that have been said here, right? You must be prepared to suffer if you want to become good and happy. You must be prepared to forego joys and pleasures that many other people may be enjoying all the time. Uh, you're too, you probably don't remember, but uh, I bet many times you made the argument to your mom and dad, other kids get to do it. <laughs> so it's uh, this demand of leading a life of character, an ethical life, right? It, by the way, it doesn't just mean consideration for others. It does mean that. But it doesn't just mean that. It also means the right thing for others. And that might mean doing something hard. Yeah. Can you clarify a little bit more on, uh, maybe I'm um, not understanding correctly what deliberation means because I'm failing to understand why that thinking deeply about ends is not deliberation. Because sometimes you do have to decide what ends are achievable and which ends are not. I, I could conceive of a situation in which you are in a war in which victory is no longer achievable. I can help. What is the product of deliberation? What comes from it? Choice. What is the product of choice? Action. 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 When you're thinking about ends, are you doing it with a view to action? Or are you doing it with a view to no? That's it. Don't go anywhere, America. That was part one of the fifth episode of Teaching the Ethics. Welcome back, America. Hugh Hewitt. We are in the middle of the Hillsdale Dialogue series on Aristotle's ethics, which was actually filmed, Dr. Larry Arn, teaching Hillsdale College students a couple of years ago. Dr. Arn is a masterful teacher, and finally people get to hear him teach other than me live. So go and join me as we listen to part two of installment five, Dr. Larry Arn teaching Aristotle's The Ethics. We've just come upon the three causes in nature that Aristotle names. Nature. Things grow up. Chance. Two things coincide. They're caused by different processes, and they interfere with each other. That's what chance means. This last one, art, that's interesting, you see, because that means that we are the beings that can stand outside nature and be a cause of things on our own. And that list and that subject would come up here in this place in the book because he's making a point about how we really only spend time thinking about choices, about things that we can actually do. Our mental climate is inside this part of the world that we can affect. We being the only ones, by the way, that can do that. And, and from the point of view of all of nature, it's relatively insignificant what we can do. But it's special that we're the ones that can do it, the only ones we know of. So now... It's interesting then, isn't it, that we've been placed in this spot. Just think, we say, he says the city 
is not natural, that is to say, it doesn't just grow up like an oak tree, but it arises according to nature, that is to say, when we are acting in the way that nature intended for us, which we don't have to, we make a city. He says that the virtues are built into a person, not by nature. They don't just grow the way an oak tree grows, but when we make them grow in the right way, we are fulfilling our nature. And now we've defined that within nature, it is our nature to be a cause of ourselves of things that happen, and only we. And, and come to find out, defining of our character is how we exercise that power to choose and for the sake of what we exercise it. That has a profound effect, the most profound effect. He says at the beginning of this section, he says that uh, our choices are more significant for our character than our actions. And see, here's another weird thing about us. Uh, We're perishable beings and uh, we choose and act and the acts have consequences and the big acts with the big consequences cannot be recalled. And let's say that we... uh, choose and act and gain a huge and favorable result, we will still think back and wonder if we did it for the right reason and take comfort if we did and be disturbed if we didn't, even if it worked out. Yeah. That's why then habituation is insufficient to describe character development because it's not just the repetition of an action, but the willful choice with the intention of pursuing that particular action that forms the soul. And the more formative ones, the stakes are high. And, and see, here's what, here's what I just mean. You guys all know this. It's, it's one of the joys of knowing people like you. The stakes are extremely high for you here. And you're young and inexperienced. But they're not high because it matters so much, you know, 300s on your grade point average, although you guys all fight hard for that, I know, and it's a pain in the tuchus. But what matters is, because just the way it is, right, you're on your way, you're going fast, you're here, you've taken on a bunch of stuff, do it well, you've got 60 years to go, you can use it. And if you mess it up, 60 years of cost. And, uh, and uh, that's why we think... Uh, we who old people who work here who have much more in the way of actual than you and much less in the way of potential uh, what we think is uh, we're not supposed to do you any damage Uh, we try not to take an act in regard to a student that will have a lasting effect on a student's prospects but on the other hand we are relentless about motives what are you trying to do Don't go anywhere, America. We're going to break and we'll come back with part three of installment five of Dr. Larry Arn and the Hillsdale Dialogue. Welcome back, America. I know you've been rocked this week by bad news. The inflation number is really shocking, but you already knew it or you already felt it. Nevertheless, I continue, even when it's 9.1% inflation and President Biden's running around in the Middle East and we've got Joe Biden talking about tacos and San Antonio diversity among Latinx, 
I continue to remind you that there are some things enduring. One of those is Hillsdale College, all things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. The last radio hour of every week, the third hour on Friday, is devoted to the Hillsdale Dialogues. And I usually do live with Dr. Larry Arnn, but uh, we have done something for the summer, which is bring you the course on the ethics that Dr. Arnn taught a year ago with a four-camera shoot. It's all being streamed over the Salem News Channel, but it's also all available if you want to binge watch, binge listen at hillsdale.edu. You can also sign up for Imprimus at the same time. Imprimus is the monthly news digest, speech digest, which is absolutely free. All these courses are free. All you got to do is go to hillsdale.edu and get started. Now sit back and enjoy part three of installment five of Dr. Larry Arn teaching the ethics to a dozen really bright Hillsdale students. In the last two books of the ethics, we're going to operate at the level of the divine and the universal. Some very beautiful things, right? But right now, we're trying to figure out how we decide what to do and what effect that has on us. And we're acquainting ourselves with the fact that these decisions are under constraints. If they weren't under constraints, by the way, they would not be formative of our character. Because, you know, you got to be tough. And remember, you're making these deliberations, if they're the kind that are meaningful in the shaping of your character, you're making them under pressure. It means they're stakes. It means that you might get hurt or fail to get some large benefit. It means that you're likely to be tired. You have to decide right now, and you can never be sure, because you can never be sure of the future. You can never be sure of the consequences of what you do. You have to make a guess. And you get better at that by trying it, but the guessing part itself, because What matters the most? What is the thing when you make a choice that matters the most about whether it tends to build virtue in you or not? What is that thing? Intention. Intention. What do you want? When you get older, you'll figure this out. The what you want part, when you make a choice, will be more important to how you remember the choice and how you regard yourself than what specifically you chose to do and what the result was. Because let's say that uh, you obviously missed something important and that might mean that you're a bad reasoner and that means you're not fit to make serious choices, although everybody fails in making them, by the way. But you, you you could doubt yourself that way. You could say, I'm not made to do this. I can't choose these things. But worse would be to say, I was in a moment of pressure and I went for the wrong thing. You see? That's what changes your character. That's what shapes it, forms it, makes you what you are. And the other thing, by the way, especially when you're young, and it's when you're young that, you're, that these deliberations and choices are shaping character the most. When you're young, you don't have much experience. And so deciding the consequences of practical actions, that's easier done with experience. Aristotle writes that in this book, right? That's why he says, not really a book simply for the young. Uh, And that means you can have a sense of humor about that. Do you you ever crash a car? Yep. Any of the girls ever crashed a car? Yeah, see, don't we resent that, guys? (laughs) (laughs) 
it's, it doesn't seem fair, but it does seem true, doesn't it? I crashed them all the time when I was a kid. Why? Because I didn't, you know, I never crashed one bad, but, you know. And my dad was not a rich man. I'd break his cars. And uh, why? I was young and stupid, inexperienced, you see. So just remember, even in this formative time in your life, what you seek is, is the thing that has to be got right. And if you get used to that, you'll get better and better at the job of seeking it. Okay, let's go read a passage. This is a really good one. It's the bottom of page 41. Uh, the beginning of chapter 3, but do people deliberate? But do people deliberate about all things, and is everything a thing to be deliberated about? Or about some things, is deliberation not possible? Perhaps one ought to mean by a thing to be deliberated about, not what some fool or insane person might deliberate about, but those things that people with sense would deliberate about. Now, no one deliberates about everlasting things, such as the cosmos, or about the diagonal and side of a square, that they are incommensurable. But neither does one deliberate about things that are in motion, but always happen according to the same pattern, whether by necessity or else by nature, or by means of some other cause, Stop there. So, what's the cosmos? Planets, how they move. Yeah, everything, the order of everything, right? It's a very interesting thing in Greek, by the way, that the word cosmos and the word cosmetics, they come from the same place, right? Uh, The word in Greek is often translated adornment. So I come to find out stuff to make you pretty is an adornment, and all of that up in the heavens is an adornment, right? Because remember, the, 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 the course goes deliberation, choice, action. The purpose of deliberation is choice. The purpose of choice is action. You don't sit around and say, what am I going to do about the cosmos? Because <laughs> you already know the answer to that. You're not going to do anything about it. <laughs> the diagonal and the side of a square. Aristotle wants to give a brief statement of something that is unchangeable and so he moves to the world of geometry right and so it's just a square is you know same on every side and that means every side is equal to every other side in length and every angle is equal to every other angle but then there's a diagonal through the middle and they can't be the same the length of that cannot be the same as the side And you can just look at it and see. And it's, by the way, an immediate kind of looking. It's one reason why geometry is an excellent training for logic. Because if you just look at it, you can see in, in a shape like that, the following thing is ever and always so. Right? So he goes to geometry to show that. And the thing is, you could sit around and think, what am I going to do about that? (laughs) You know? How am I going to make those things so that they're commensurable? How am I going to do that? And the answer is, you're not going to do it. Not worth the time. And you don't spend the time, right? So go ahead. Whether by necessity or else by nature, or by means of some other cause, such as solstices and the risings of stars, nor about things that are sometimes one way and sometimes another, such as drought and rain, 
nor about things that are by chance, such as finding a treasure. But not about all human things either, as no Spartan deliberates about how the Scythians should best be governed, for none of these things could happen through us. We deliberate about things that are up to us and are matters of action, and these are the ones that are left. For the causes responsible for things seem to be nature, necessity, and chance, and also intelligence, and everything that is due to a human being. And among human beings, each sort deliberates about the things to be done by its own acts. That's really cool. Do you, get, do you guys think that what we just read is really cool? So mark down page 42, the last two sentences, the last three sentences in the first paragraph, partial paragraph. Does he just say here that the cause of everything is nature, necessity, and chance? I'm not sure necessity is different from nature. What's Aristotle thinking? What are the causes of things? Do you see why you have to think about that? We have to think about the causes of things because Aristotle has just said we can only deliberate about things where we can be the cause. Right? So if nature is the cause, what does that mean? What, what's going on? What's the cause of a tree? Put a little seed down. If it's an acorn, up comes an oak tree. It's nature. Right? Uh, what's chance? You have or normally an acorn becomes an oak tree, but you might have something like lightning striking it and interfering with the the natural cause of becoming an oak tree. Isn't is not lightning not natural? It is, but the it interferes with the the natural progression of the acorn into. The so oak tree. one natural process interferes with another. Right, and it's not it's not what you would expect from the nature of lightning and the nature of the oak tree. To be struck. Well, actually, as a matter of fact, you would expect but not on a regular this. basis for lightning to strike oak trees. That's right, but not this particular oak tree. Yeah, yeah. So let's see if we can think of a better example okay. that's more purely chance-oriented. Let's say that lightning strikes the oak tree and it falls over, but let's add a feature. The lightning strikes the oak tree and it falls over on Gill. Yeah, that was coming. <laughs> That'd be Providence. Yeah, saw that from a mile away. And 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 the point is, it wouldn't be the natural end of Gill, however worthy we may think it, <laughs> to be killed by a falling tree struck by lightning. Now, what the chance is, is not really that the lightning struck the tree. That happens all the time. The chance is Gill was standing there. That means that. The cause of the oak tree growing up is nature, and the cause of it falling on gill is chance. But what if one of us, tempted as we are, chopped down the oak tree to make it fall on gill? Then the cause would be human intelligence, and it would be something that we would have deliberated about. That's right. And more specifically, we would call it... Murder. Art. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what, you guys, what you guys think I meant is we would, if we were going to do that we would do it with style <laughs> we'd want to we'd smush him just so right? <laughs> but, but art means in this sense whatever people make we've just come upon 
the three causes in nature that Aristotle names. Nature, things grow up. Chance, two things coincide. They're caused by different processes and they interfere with each other. That's what chance means. This last one, art, that's interesting, you see, because that means that we are the beings that can stand outside nature and be a cause of things on our own. And that list and that subject would come up here in this place in the book because he's making a point about how we really only spend time thinking about choices about things that we can actually do. Our mental climate is inside this part of the world that we can affect. We being the only ones, by the way, that can do that. And, and from the point of view of all of nature, it's relatively insignificant what we can do. But it's special that we're the ones that can do it, the only ones we know of. So now, it's interesting then, isn't it, that we've been placed in this spot. Just think, we say, he says the city is not natural, that is to say it doesn't just grow up like an oak tree, but it arises according to nature, that is to say when we are acting in the way that nature intended for us, which we don't have to, we make a city. He says that the virtues are built into a person, not by nature. They don't just grow the way an oak tree grows, but when we make them grow in the right way, we are fulfilling our nature. And now we've defined that within nature, it is our nature to be a cause of ourselves of things that happen, and only we. And, and come to find out, defining of our character is how we exercise that power to choose and for the sake of what we exercise it. That has a profound effect, the most profound effect. He says at the beginning of this section, he says that uh, our choices are more significant for our character than our actions. And see, here's another weird thing about us. Uh, we're perishable beings and uh, we choose and act and the acts have consequences and the big acts with the big consequences cannot be recalled. And let's say that we uh, choose and act and gain a huge and favorable result. We will still think back and wonder if we did it for the right reason and take comfort if we did and be disturbed if we didn't even if it worked out yeah that's why then habituation is insufficient to describe character development because it's not just the repetition of an action but the willful choice with the intention of pursuing that particular action that forms the soul and the more formative ones, the stakes are high. And, and see, here's what, here's what I just mean. You guys all know this. It's, it's one of the joys of knowing people like you. The stakes are extremely high for you here. And you're young and inexperienced. But they're not high because it matters so much, you know, three hundredths on your grade point average. Although you guys all fight hard for that, I know, and it's a pain in the tuchus. But 
what matters is, because just the way it is, right? You're on your way. You're going fast. You're here. You've taken on a bunch of stuff. Do it well. You've got 60 years to go. You can use it. And if you mess it up, 60 years of cost. And, uh, and uh, that's why we think, uh, we who, old people who work here, who have much more in the way of actual than you and much less in the way of potential, uh, what we think is uh, we're not supposed to do you any damage. Uh, we try not to take an act in regard to a student that will have a lasting effect on a student's prospects. But on the other hand, we are relentless about motives. What are you trying to do? That wraps it up for this week in the fifth installment of Larry Arn Teaching the Ethics to Hillsdale Students. All things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. If you want to listen to this whole course, just go and binge watch at hillsdale.edu. Search for the uh, online course on the ethics. It's 10 parts. Thanks for listening to the Hillsdale Dialogues presented by Hillsdale College. For more episodes, search for Hillsdale Dialogues at SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeart, or Ricochet. For more information about Hillsdale College, head to hillsdale.edu.